What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl, and I'm excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode. I hope everybody out there listening, wherever you are in the world, shout out to my listeners in uh, in Russia and and I think someone in Scotland, then someone in the South Pole. Shout out to you guys. Uh, but wherever you are around the world, happy holidays to you all. Merry Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Today is the first day of Kwanzaa. And also happy holidays for all of you guys tuning in, listening worldwide to the Black Expat Podcast. I am very excited for an interview that I have today with someone with an amazing woman who I met here in Taiwan, who also went to the same university as me that I attended as well, DePaul University. Shout out to DePaul, kind of, sort of. If you went to DePaul, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm really excited to talk about her her journey amid the coronavirus, amid this global pandemic that has affected us all in so many ways. Uh, her being brave, being an amazing person, woman, all that good stuff and packing up and deciding to move halfway across the world uh, and start a new life abroad in France. So once Jasmine is ready to call in, once she calls in, we'll actually jump right into the interview because I'm really, really excited to jump into it and start, you know, and have the conversation we're going to have about her experiences there. But if you guys have not already, please check out the previous two episodes I released uh, with Juanita Ingram. Again, an amazing episode with the expats, international Ingrams uh, and her Amazon docu-series highlighting the Black familial experience abroad um, and her and her family and their travels from London to Taiwan and all the amazing things she's done as a part of her network and her experiences as well. That was one, again, probably one of the best interviews I've ever done, right? It was so, it was, it was a rich interview full of a lot of details, full of a lot of stories, and a lot of passion. And for me, being in Taiwan for as long as I have, I mean, it was just great to have someone highlight their experience in Taiwan, like so rich and so raw, but also touch on some things that we as Black expats struggle with, but also display the positive things of being a Black expat in Taiwan and what we have here and what and what can be here. Because uh, again, for me, like I just actually posted about today, it's hard sometimes to put into words what it's like to be a Black expat abroad, specifically in Asia, specifically, specifically in Taiwan, right? A lot of people still don't know what Taiwan is. So for her to bring it, you know, live to the to the TV, to, to the television screen on Amazon, uh, it was just was just absolutely amazing. So definitely check out the expats, international incomes if you have Amazon Prime and America. It's free for you to watch if you already have Prime. If not, download the first you know free episode. See if you like it. I'm sure you will. And then download the rest. They're only a dollar an episode. We spend a dollar on worse, right? And that's definitely worth spending that dollar on. So yeah, again, I'm excited about the interview today with Jasmine. Once she's ready to call in, uh, she actually joined the podcast a while back. Uh, and I'll let you guys know what episode that is. But she's actually calling in right now. So I'm ready to get it started. Hope you guys are ready as well. Hello, Jasmine. How are you doing today? Hi, Carl. How are you? Can you hear me well? Yes, you're coming through clearly and beautifully. What time is awesome. it? Um, right now it is one o'clock. So quite a big time difference. What time is it in Taiwan? It is 8.08 p.m. And I do apologize, guys. You know, I always admit my mistakes. I definitely <laughs> thought I was checking. I was like, hey, so because the thing is, France and Taiwan's time difference is weird. It's like eight or I don't know if it's eight or nine hours. But I was like, yeah, 8 p.m. My time is noon your time. And it turned out that that is absolutely incorrect. So I do apologize for that. But thank you so much for joining us here on the on the podcast today. Oh, no worries. No worries. I'm actually really I appreciate the time um, to have an extra hour. <laughs> so thank you <laughs> and happy Kwanzaa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So can you just start really quickly by introducing yourself, um, a little bit about yourself, um, your background and your interests, and then what led you to being where you are now uh, abroad in France? Yeah, of course. So um, hello, everyone. My name is Jasmine Lassane. I am originally born and raised in the Bronx, New York, um, but I've lived in many different boroughs in New York. Um, over my time. I'm also undergraduate at DePaul University, or I graduated from DePaul University in Indiana um, in 2017, and my degree was in communication. And for a long time, I was on track for a minor in French, but 
that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then after I um, graduated, I immediately moved to Houston, Texas to work for an educational publishing company um, in the sales department. So I was working with different colleges and universities, and I was helping them figure out what educational resources, textbooks, um, whether it was media, um, and across different genres as well, um, in order to help their courses and their students. Um, and honestly, that was a really great job to have post-grad. I think it really helped me develop professionally and personally, um, but at the same time, I was going through the motions of my day, knowing that I wasn't completely where I wanted to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And in my position, I wasn't doing something that really fueled me or my passions. Um, I think I was yearning to really get back to a time where um, I was constantly challenging myself, learning and growing from my experiences, and also meeting new people and experiencing different cultures. Um, and of course, you know, eating new foods. And <laughs> uh, But it, it really was a dream to be back in France. Um, I had studied abroad in Strasbourg uh, in 2016. And that was one of the first times that I really imagined um, that life for myself. And I fell in love with the culture and the people. And so um, it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to be abroad, um, but I really didn't know how to do that. Uh, And I just Mm -hmm. took the leap of faith that um, that was what I needed to do. And that was a time where um, I was happier. (laughs) We were always striving for happiness. (laughs) So yeah, I moved um, during the pandemic and now we're here. So I do want to take a few steps back before we talk about your move from like during the pandemic from Houston to France. I know know we talked about a little bit before, but when you were back at DePaul, because it was the same university and um, was it your intention when you first started studying to study France? Like was 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 the passion to learn French already there or was something that kind of happened based on your experiences being back at the university in Indiana? Yeah, that's a good question. Absolutely not. <laughs> so um, I actually went into DePaul. There's a language requirement um, to you have to take a language course. And in high school, I had taken Spanish, but I didn't really retain anything. So I went in and took my um, language placement exam and I tested elementary for Spanish and for French. And I was just like, oh, I'm a bit done with Spanish, so let's just try out French. <laughs> um, and I went in and it was just completely new for me. Um, and I started with just elementary, a two-part course. Um, and even when I applied to go abroad, I didn't apply to go to France. I applied to go to India. And I had gotten through the entire um, application process. I got accepted into my program. Um, and then just last minute, they canceled the program um, in Delhi. And uh, I was I knew I still wanted to go abroad, but I didn't really know where to next. And I knew I was in French and I was enjoying the language. And there was just a presentation about a really great um, program abroad where um, we actually got to do like blend our studies with an internship. It's Mm -hmm. called IFE, Internships in Francophone Europe. I think it's now International Field Education. I can give you the um, the exact link to the program, but I was able to you know, study abroad while also emerging myself in the community. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And it was really a leap of faith. And then after that experience, it was solidified that it was everything that I needed. So, and France is beautiful. So, (laughs) and you know, and, and it's funny that you talk about that story because for me, I know when I went to DePaul, I didn't know there was a language requirement until I found that I had a language course on my, like, on my first year schedule that I had because we didn't, you know, when you go to DePaul, when I went, like they sent you, they mailed you because, you know, email wasn't the thing back then. They mailed you a, a course <laughs> selection list and you had to go through and kind of check the boxes with, with a pen. Then you mailed it back. And then when you got to campus, that that's when you got your schedule. And on mine, again, I had taken Spanish in high school, but I had never, I had no intention on learning anything with right to Chinese. I legit selected Spanish, 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 Spanish as a backup, maybe French. And then I got my schedule was, you know, social communications, writing, and then Chinese. And I'm like, man, what's like, what? I have no, I don't want to learn Chinese, right? Um, But then it was the same. It's, I studied Chinese for three and a half years. Then my senior year, uh, it was, it was a black, it was a black 
person that worked in the uh, in the international office, he was like, hey, you've been learning it for this long. Why don't you just go abroad? And then when I went and I lived in China, long story short, like I was like, man, this is amazing. It wasn't necessarily living in China. I don't think it's the same because, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily enjoy living in China. But the experience mm-hmm. of being abroad is what actually got me to want to go abroad. So then, you know, when you are in, you know, you go from New, from in, from New York to Indiana, which we know is ooh, <laughs> Jesus. That's already a huge difference. It's it's different. (laughs) And then you go from Indiana to Houston, which again, you went from the East Coast to the Midwest to the South. South. And then you decide to pick pack it up and go to France. Like what was that like? Um, just like living in those different places throughout this time. Yeah. Well, um, it's interesting that you said because I did leave out a small move. So um, I actually did move to Chicago in July for a few months. Um, so it, it's this whole long story and I'll make it as short um, as possible. But I mean, obviously living in Indiana was uh, different and I'm, I'm appreciative for it because when we live in New York or in these big cities, we have this idea of like the world revolves around us. So why would I ever leave New York? I, you know, there's just no reason to, but when you go and live in um, a state like Indiana, you really get an idea of what the mid the Midwest is like. And um, working as a, I was a Bonner scholar, so I was doing internships um, and um, volunteering with the local residents. So just really interacting with them gave me a new perspective on the United States and the differences and the realities that we have across each state. But when I went to Texas and I was working in Houston, but then moving to like South Texas or um, just different parts of Texas, I really, really, um, it really emphasized that uh, idea of we're all living different realities and we're all having different experiences. And so for me, it was new and it helped me grow as a person and understand different um, uh, ways of life. But honestly, I think it was for the better. But yeah, everything was really great. And moving to Chicago also was just really nice to be with friends and to have that small, um, just to have that small period before I moved to France. So really quickly, if you had to choose between the four places you lived back home (laughs) stateside, what is the best place you've lived in? New York, Indiana, Chicago, or Houston? Oh, um... I still have to give it to New York. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I have to give it to New York um, only because that's where I'm from. And the culture there is absolutely, it's like none other, right? Like you have this amazing um, culture of people, not only just the black community, but all communities there. Um, one thing I would say about Houston is that, at least in the center of Houston, I've never seen so much um, integration between everyone. Like we all know <laughs> New York is very segregated, whether that's the school systems, whether that's uh, in Chicago as well, um, where you party or just who you're interacting with. We're all hanging out with you know, people who look like us or we're going to school with people who look like us. Um, And at least in Houston, I really felt that my groups of people that I was hanging out with or when I would walk down in a downtown bar, there were um, people from everywhere. And that's what I really liked about Houston, but New York, definitely. Okay. I mean, me being from Chicago, my feelings aren't hurt at all. Um, (laughs) I I visit New York and I have my own feelings about New York itself, but uh, I do think it's a great place. Like, again, I've, I love my experiences being there and again, how, Mm -hmm. how different and how much of a melting pot New York actually is. You people say it all the time, like New York is the big apple, like a melting pot, but it's, there's nothing like actually physically being there um, and, and experiencing New York for all, for all of its glory. So, Walk us back. You're in Houston. Uh, I know you told me a little bit, little bit about it, and I remember everything about it. Um, and you get, and I think you applied for your program in France back in March, but because of the virus, you didn't hear about it until like the summer or maybe in yeah. September. Then decided to go. Can you walk us through like the like finding out you're able to go to France and actually deciding to pack your bags again amid a pandemic to pack your bags and then move there and then experience France the way that you've experienced it so far? 
Yeah. So um, I applied back in, just like you mentioned, I applied back in um, October and it was just, you know, let's see if they accept me and then it'll be at the end of my sales season so I can, you know, make that decision when the time comes. Um, but then COVID happened and it delayed the actual the decision process. So we didn't actually get it until the end of June. So I had already decided that I, <laughs> I wanted to be closer to a better support system. Um, mm. And at the time, Chicago was that just because all of my college friends um, from Indiana had moved to Chicago. And so I, you know, spoke with my company and because everyone was remote, it was okay. Uh, we're all doing, you know, distance there's distance learning, we're working remotely. So I moved to Chicago and I just, I thought that was it. I really had in the back of my mind, I was hoping that the program would still continue, but I was okay with being in Chicago because that meant that I was with people. Um, and then we get our decisions and I got accepted. Um, and it was a very, very fast process, but I just figured this is an opportunity for me to do something during this very turbulent year, right? Everyone is stuck at home. Mental health, I mean, for me, I struggled so much with mental health. I was living in Houston alone um, for the first lockdown, um, and which prompted me to move to Chicago to be closer. And so I just really needed a change um, and I really needed to take a risk. And that was exasperated by the virus. So yeah, I decided that France was that big leap that I needed to take. And um, I accepted the position. I had actually signed a 12-month lease um, at my apartment. So there was all of these different stressors uh, <laughs> and all of these different factors that was causing me or leading me to say, no, this is not a good idea. Like, why would you do this? Um, but with faith and just with um, the motivation to make a change in my life, I figured it out. I found a sublease. I um, went through the process of getting my visa, which was very um, last minute, obviously. And the visa offices were closed or they were delayed. I had to go to DC to get my visa. So it was just, I was just happy that everything worked out, but it was not a very um, smooth process. But once I got here, um, everything went into place and um, the actual process of getting a bank account or a phone or an apartment was very easy. Um, and that was just because I'm in a pretty small town. So there yeah. were a lot of measures um, put into place. Yeah. And I think it's just, well, I mean, one of the reasons I definitely want to share your story is because a lot of people, you know, we've been talking about over the past nine months as, as American citizens have been, you know, dealing mm -hmm. with the pandemic, a lot of people have decided, you know, well, the pandemic is here. So it's time to kind of slow down or like put, put your dreams and passions on hold, focus more mm -hmm. on family or like focus more on what you're doing. But also uh, I want to just remind people that remind people that it's also okay to take risks to yeah. take chances to actually you know if there's something that you really wanted to do now is also a great time because you have so much time to kind of step out on faith uh dive into something new and different even if it like it doesn't have to be necessarily moving to another country across the world but it could mm -hmm. be anything you're looking to do that it's absolutely you're able to do that if you want to believe in it and you want to work hard to accomplish it and you just believe in yourself and kind of just go for it so how has it been like what is what was france like off the plane, like your second time there, like off the plane, diving into your new life, like what kind of feelings and emotions did you have going on? And what, and like, what, 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 what was it like the first three, three weeks to like one month of just being there? Yeah. Um, so obviously when you get off the plane and you're like, oh, I did it, right? I did it. I'm in a new country. I'm in France. This is great. This is everything that I have wanted for so long. Um, but the first feeling for the first three weeks for me was actually just trying to adjust. Um, I was always on the go, you know, just trying to get paperwork done with my school, um, finding an apartment, um, setting up the um, bank accounts, just everything. So those first three weeks, I didn't, it didn't actually settle in that I was in France. Um, mm. And also all of the feelings that I was having before I got there came with me. I think a lot of people think, oh, once you, 
once you achieve something that you've been wanting to do, or um, once you move to France, or once you hit that weight goal or, or that fitness goal, that the feelings that you have are just going to switch and change. Um, but I was already dealing with a lot of personal um, struggles, honestly, that came with me to France. So just adjusting to that and getting off of survival mode um, was what the first three weeks were for me. Um, but obviously, you know, seeing the water and the river and the chateaus and um, just the realities of being there was there, but all of my feelings were also there. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a very, very, very weird experience because I wasn't happy. I wasn't like, wow, everything is over. I can experience this. I was just getting through. You know what? I can definitely relate to that a little bit. Only like because when I came to Taiwan, uh, a lot of people don't know that. I don't, I don't think I talked about this on a podcast before either. Um, when I graduated from DePaul, I had an internship in China first in a very, very small town, like in kind of middle of nowhere. The airport was seven hours away from where I actually lived. Mm -hmm. It was a long drive. Um, but uh, when I was trying to get from China, because my internship in China was for a month and a half, I started my job August 1st. August 1st in Taiwan. Um, but when I was trying to go from China to Taiwan, I didn't realize the visa implications uh, and uh, other paper, other paperwork I had to get done. And I had to get all that done in 48 hours. And, you know, I have to literally travel three hours to a fax machine, an hour, another hour to, to where I had Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi wasn't as readily available back then, especially in a small town. And then uh, I, I still had a car that I owned in America. I was still paying my own mm. car note and I hadn't been paid any money in a month and a half because I was on an internship. So when I went there, I was like, again, I wasn't, I didn't really feel comfortable until after, honestly, for me, it was four months after mm. I got, you know, two or three paychecks. Then after I, I finally, like you finally feel settled in, in a new country. Once you're one, able to buy, you have enough money because that's important. Mm -hmm. Two, you're able <laughs> to find the food that you want to eat, right? And mm -hmm. three, in my opinion, once you found a friend, or friends yeah. or someone else you can kind of go out with and do and do something other than just working and sleeping and talking to friends and family in other countries mm -hmm. right so i definitely can understand that so like what what do you eat in france <laughs> and what uh, that's what i want to know and like what are the anticipated and unanticipated adjustments that you had to make since being there yeah so what do i eat in france i mean you can pretty much find what ever it's a western country so you can find i mean for breakfast i'll have oatmeal and you know almonds um but i do eat a lot of uh baguettes and um fromage cheese <laughs> remember <laughs> i eat a lot more of that um you know it's 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 interesting because i i thought that i'd be having all of these french foods but with the lockdown i mean restaurants mm. are closed so what we eat is what we cook um and I'm not the best cook, so <laughs> I resort back to um, just whatever I know. Um, and I'm hoping that changes uh, once we get out of lockdown, um, just so that I can experience that side of culture, of the French culture. But as far as the adjustments, um, the obvious anticipated adjustments um, were, you know, new language, um, adjusting to the culture in a different way in life. For me, my French is it's okay. I can get by. I can survive <laughs> if I get lost. Um, but I'm definitely not fluent. Um, and so that's a challenge in itself, especially being in a small town. I'm in Laval, which is about um, an hour and a half from Paris by train. So not too many people speak English here, if, if any, to be honest. And so you have to learn how to adjust to that. Um, but one of the non-anticipated um, adjustments was obviously being okay with not traveling um, and enjoying the local city and the country. So with um, this experience, I always imagine, oh yeah, I'll be in Europe. I'll be able to you know, meet new people and go to all of the neighboring countries. Um, but with lockdown, you're really forced to stay in your city and you're forced to say, okay, like, what does this city have to offer um, and what are the beauties of it and who are the people around me? So I've gotten a lot closer with um, the people I work with, like my teachers um, and even my roommates. I live with three other girls. And so we've gotten really, really close um, and the other assistants in the city. So just trying to see the beauties of uh, the challenges that we have. 
Oh, that sounds amazing. So I, I, I know you mentioned um, just how the lockdown has like affected your way of living there. So how has COVID been handled where you live yeah. in particular? And then kind of like in France overall, just, uh, yeah. just from your perspective of living and working there now. Yeah. So uh, they're very strict here. <laughs> um, uh, so when I first arrived, um, you know, obviously we have to have masks indoors and outdoors, actually. Um, mm. But the bars, restaurants, shops were open, um, but the cases spiked um, and Macron, President Macron, he was like, not having it. So he put the um, country back on a lockdown. Um, and at first we could only go one kilometer um, away from our homes. So, yeah. and only for outdoor exercising or um, just essential um, activities. And we also had to have an attestation de, um, de placement, which is just like a, a slip stating where where you were going, why you were going out. Um, and so it, it was really to decrease the measures of COVID and just to make sure everyone was doing their part. Um, and you can get fined too if you didn't have that. So that was very different coming from the States where you didn't have to have on a mask outdoors or, um, you know, the, anywhere. <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> anywhere or outdoors. Um, the, the bars and restaurants were open. Well, the restaurants were open and Houston, the bars were open, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, but you <laughs> you had to have on a mask and stuff. It was not as strict. Um, and so on December 15th, he actually, we're still in a lockdown. I don't think they're calling a lockdown, but we're still in a lockdown. The restaurants um, and bars are still closed, but the shops are open for the Christmas holiday um, and for the new year, just to make sure that, um, you know, these businesses aren't, you know, going out of business during the most essential time of the year. So the shops are open and we can um, actually travel for Christmas. So oh, wow. <laughs> that was really, yeah, but within France um, and it's supposed to be for family, but as long as you're being respectful to the situation and um, you're not going to, you know, parties or having house parties, um, it's okay, but we can go. We can go out at least yeah, <laughs> not <right>. one kilometer. <laughs> and you know, so, it's, yeah. it's like, it's always so interesting that, well, it's always good to talk to people who are actually living in the countries, right? Because I get most of my information, I'm not going to lie, being an expat and I living in America, I get, I get a lot of my information from Twitter. Uh, and if, if you look at Twitter, just read the headlines. If you don't really read the stories or know <laughs> someone who lives there, you will think that every everyone's just staying indoors in other countries or every country's just running amok, right? So people in America, mm -hmm. they think that everyone in America is just not wearing masks and like <laughs> la-di-da. But we know being Americans, having family and friends, they're like, that's really not the case. Like a lot of our families are taking it seriously. But yeah. also know people who are just like, you know what? I'm, I'm living. I don't care if I get it, whatever. I got good health insurance. I'm out here in the street. So it's <laughs> like this, there's, there's definitely a good mixture um, of that. But you did mention that, that you had roommates, right? So like, yeah. were these roommates that you met before you came or was it something where you kind of arrived there and you kind of, and you guys, and you were I don't, like, like how, how did you go about acquiring your living space in France and yes. having roommates? Yeah. So uh, living alone in Houston taught me that I really don't do well alone. <laughs> and so I told myself, you know, if I'm going to move to this, you know, if I'm going to make this big move, I have to have people around me just in case, especially during COVID, just in case we go um, into lockdown, I can't do it alone again, especially in a new country. Um, so for the assistance page, um, there's a Facebook group that um, all of the assistants join in order to ask questions, connect with each other, um, and for the purposes of finding remits as well. So mm. I just made a post um, in Laval. Well, actually, I didn't even tell the group that I was in Laval. I was just like asking a general question. But I connected with people who were in, uh, who were going to be going to Laval. Um, and I met a good group of girls. We Skyped beforehand to make sure that we all weren't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we weren't making a bad decision. Um, and we decided that we were going to live together. But the process of actually finding an apartment here, um, we went on Le Banquant, which is kind of like a Craigslist, to be honest. Um, and we were just reaching out to people um, to tell them that, you know, we're foreigners coming in. Um, and we actually were advised not to sign any leases before we got um, to France. So we actually had to get an Airbnb um, the first week we got here 
um, and view the apartments that we were interested in. But uh, thankfully, we found a really great apartment. It's not in a city center. It's right outside of it, which is great because we're in a very residential, like real part of town. Like I really get to see a lot of the residents um, for face value. Um, but yeah, we have a great apartment. I love it. There are four of us here and there are other assistants in the city as well. So we're locked down, but we're all, we all have each other and we're all, all in right. the same situation. Um, so we do get together and it's, you know, we're not going to meet anyone's grandma. <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> so we, we do tend to get together, um, but we do it safely and respectfully knowing that, um, when we also work with kids, right? So just being aware of um, what the situation is, but also knowing that we need some type of social interaction. So like, is it fun having new roommates? Like, like, (laughs) has it been a great experience, like living with people that you didn't really know beforehand? Um, I know, again, I know from, you know, being being in college and going to DePaul where I had a roommate who who just happened to be from the same city as me, born in Chicago, but um, very different. He was in the school of music. I was not, Um, Mm -hmm. but he would happen to be a great person. Also people who have had roommates that have been turned out to be like terrible. And it's like, man, I, I really hated my living situation. Like, has it been um, everything you've dreamed of and more having roommates there? <laughs> I, I, that's a really interesting question. And I'm sure my roommates are going to be listening. So hello. Um, no, but <laughs> um, I, in, I'm very honest about um, the experience that I've been having, especially with like living with roommates is different, right? For the past three years, I had the opportunity of living alone and I've seen my personality and my priorities change through living, you know, having that living situation alone. Um, And so, of course, I crave, I crave quiet time sometimes or like privacy or um, just being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want um, in my apartment. But the downside to that is when you come back home, you don't have anyone, right? Um, You don't have anyone to talk to about your day. Um, And that's been one of the biggest, biggest highlights of living with roommates. I get to share my experience with people, um, no matter if I'm tired or not. If I get up, there's always going to be someone there. Um, If I'm feeling sad, there's always going to be someone there. As long as I communicate what I'm experiencing if I need some time or if I just don't want to talk to anyone. There's been plenty of times, Carl, <laughs> that yeah. I've gotten up and I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. And at first I was really um, insecure about that because I thought that it came off as being rude um, or that I, I didn't, I wasn't going to be seen as um, friendly, but it's just what I needed and it's just the adjustment that it's been. But they've been very, very um, helpful with that. And we've talked about it. And I mean, honestly, I couldn't have had a better living situation. They're all really, really great girls. And we all are from different parts of the United States. So they're bringing in their own experiences and we're having great conversations. And I feel like that's just what I need and what we all need during this time um, to connect with different people and to share our experiences with people. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because, uh, again, and Patrick is listening. He may also call in and ask you some questions. I hope he does because yeah. Patrick always asks really good questions. But hey, I am Patrick. so similar. <laughs> <laughs> and when I wake up, I am not, I, again, I, like I've managed full teams. Like, I've been a director for most of my life here in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And from like eight to 10, I just don't want to talk to anyone. And I am mm-hmm. not, I'm notoriously not a morning person. And, you know, when you live <laughs> with someone like me and Patrick are opposite in that way. Like when he's, Patrick's a ball of energy all the time. Like he, mm-hmm. and he, he loves engagement and he likes talking. And I think when I first came, when we first started living together, we lived together as roommates for, uh, sorry, housemates for almost 10 years now or more than 10 years now. Um, So, uh, you know, at the beginning I was like, man, this is who I am. But I've also, I think having someone who's the polar opposite of me in that regard has also taught me, you know, it has benefited me waking up sometimes just being like, Hey, good morning, Pat. Like, how are you doing? How's your day going? Um, what do you have planned for the day? You know, because I am so used to just being morning time. I want to tell somebody I just want to be on my own lane. But as mm-hmm. time has gone on, it's not all the time. It's very rare, actually, I'm not going to lie, where I wake mm-hmm. up and I'm just like, hey, it's good to see Patrick. Because most days, it's always good to see him. But most days I wake up, I'm just like, look, you're here, but I, I'm not trying to talk to somebody. I just want to have, <laughs> I just, 
I just need two hours to just be in my own mind to prep myself mm. for the day and just to yeah. get through. But again, I, I definitely understand that balance of being a person who's like just doesn't like engage in the morning or doesn't want to engage or need to engage. Yeah. Uh, and then versus having someone who is, you know, the opposite of that and just being respectful. Patrick has always respected that about me. And I mm. definitely appreciate that. And also respect that his need of me sometimes, I can't always come downstairs with with the I don't feel like talking to you face like sometimes I have to switch <laughs> it up right like I, like it's my face because in that work I know it has that and definitely you know it's just man yeah like I, you have to have that level of engagement sometimes but like what has been some of the highlights of your experience uh you know living in France and working in France yeah um well I mean just along those lines um definitely sharing this experience with other assistants. Um, we have assistants from all over the world. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm living with Americans, but there's um, a girl from London, India. Um, there's a guy from Kenya, Germany. So like my experience of meeting new people is different, right? It's, it's It looks very different, but I'm still sharing it with people who um, are coming and bringing experiences from all over the world. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. Um, and we have a very good time together and we're getting very close. So I'm, I'm hoping that um, these are our friendships of lifetimes, right? This is, I mean, I, when I studied abroad, I met people from all over and I still have friends. So that's been the best, best um, uh, experience to have. But also one of the bigger experience, um, highlights has been working with students. So I've always worked on with schools, college and, and universities, but on the professor side um, and the publisher side. And so I think it's been a really nice change um, to be on the student side, right? And working on what they need um, specifically with, with English. Um, and so I work in a vocational high school. And so when I got in, there was just these rumors that, you know, the vocational students aren't as motivated or um, they might be a little bit more difficult, which has proven to not be true at all. Um, I don't know if it's just COVID and me coming in as a foreigner and they were just excited, um, but they're extremely respectful, extremely eager to learn um, and just seeing them their growth and their progression. And it's just been a few short months, but just seeing them and how excited they are has been a big highlight for me. Mm. So like, did you ever see yourself working, like working with students? Um, and has it been, so, or now, now that you are working with students, is it something mm -hmm. that you think you'll continuously do for a long period of time? Or do you more so enjoy working with professors and maybe with textbooks and things like that? Yeah, so that's a good question. And it's still one that I'm working on myself. But I, hmm. I think the biggest consensus is that I want to work in education. Okay. And I want to work with youth in some capacity. Um, so I, I, I've always been passionate about student access, just students having the resources to, to do what they want to do, whether that's studying abroad or whether that's um, getting help with uh resumes or or applying for different grad schools or grants just having all of the resources that they need because that's what helped me right like guidance counselors or uh, you talked about um our career center i'm sure you were talking about neil i hope you were talking about neil <laughs> <laughs> um who you know there were just these people who poured so much light and 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 faith into us and and they gave us those tools and that's something that i've always been passionate about um but also i'm trying to blend my passions with the need for financial security, with um, the need for, with my own skills. So I'm trying to figure it out, Carl. I don't know. And that's the most frustrating thing, um, especially because as the years go on, you think that you have to be in a place, um, which you, you don't, obviously. You're, we're just comparing ourselves. But um, I really hope to be in education at some capacity, but also be able to make a living doing it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, so how much do you think? Because uh, here's the example I'll use. Um, when I worked in Taiwan after, I think it was six and a half years, I was like, you know what? I've been living abroad. Right after I graduated college, I moved to Taiwan. I was living and working in Taiwan for six and a half mm -hmm. years. And by that time, I was director there. I'd hired a bunch of people from DePaul, a bunch of black people, a bunch of just people mm -hmm. in general, too, to come and work there. And I was like, you know what? I need to go back to America to see if 
Taiwan or working abroad is is the lifestyle for me. Or if yeah. working back home is the thing. And I actually went back to DePaul and I worked at DePaul and I worked in um in residence life and things like that. And when I was there, I could, I saw how much my experiences abroad in different ways uh, and what, what I was able to speak to and speak about, how it not only impacted the students, right? Because they would ask me questions. And one, I, I, I could relate to things they went through because I went to the university, but also I went to college and I you know lived abroad and things like that, but also how it impacted people that I worked with from a professional level. So how much, because, you know, just... Ha- I, I always spoke to things from a very different perspective, just based on my experiences, right? Because a lot of them had never had never left Indiana, or you know, mm-hmm. went from Chicago to live in Indiana and work at DePaul, and never went anywhere else other than that, unless they're going on vacation, right? So, how much have your experiences helped you in the job and 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 also in the work that you're doing now uh, out there in France? Yeah. Um, well, for one, I feel like I am able to connect with people on different levels. Um, I, I Honestly, when you meet different people, it opens your mind, right? Like growing up in the Bronx, I felt as if this is where my life needed to go and it was very limited. And when I was able to step foot out of the Bronx and meet different people with different experiences and different life challenges or, or similar life challenges, I was able to take that and learn from it and grow from it. And so when I go into a conversation, I'm able to empathize better or I'm just able to connect and talk and 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 share those experiences. So honestly, I just feel like I've grown and become more open-minded um, and I'm able to listen better, to be honest, and have those conversations that's needed um, in order to work professionally with people um, or grow and connect with people personally as well. So that's how I feel on a short answer. <laughs> but um, there's there's so many different things that um, I've been able to experience that has helped me to navigate my professional life and my personal life. Okay. Ooh, look at the spices. So how did you spend your holiday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, like, like, what kind of things were you doing out uh, in France? And um, what are your plans for uh, New Year's there? Yeah. So like I mentioned, Macron let us out <laughs> for a little brief moment. <laughs> um, uh, it looks different, right? So um, he mentioned that we can um, travel to see family and friends. And so I took it as an opportunity with my roommates to go and visit um, Strasbourg, which is the town, the city that I studied abroad in. Um, and we were just together. We Everything is closed. So we just walked around, <laughs> looked at the chateaus, looked at the rivers. <laughs> I mean, it's different because, you know, it's a touchy subject, you know, traveling, especially during a pandemic. Um, and something that I learned is just to, take the opportunities that you have and be respected, respectful about it, right? Respect, respectful about the situation, um, but also still enjoy the beauties of France. So we've been walking around enjoying that um, architecture and admiring the lights for um, Christmas because Christmas um, in France is really beautiful. Um, I've started running again. So I've been running along the river. So travel, but be respectful about COVID. Um, so we went to Strasbourg and then we also did go to Grenoble um, and we hiked in the mountains. So very COVID friendly things, but <laughs> also well, I, I want to emphasize that. Um, but also, you know, um, in, enjoying France because we're, we have a very unique opportunity um, and I don't want um, to for any of that to go to waste. So yeah, went to Strasbourg and Grenoble. <laughs> <laughs> So I know you've been in France only for uh, only for a few months now, right? Yeah, since October. October. So what are you looking forward to? Like what's on the horizon for the upcoming year, uh, both professionally and personally for your experience there? Yeah. So um, I am looking forward to being a better assistant, I would say, and <laughs> teaching better. I think when I first got here, I have no real experience with teaching um, and Thankfully, this program as an assistant, that's what it's for, to help you um, learn how to be a better teacher and to work with um, students. So just learning how to, one, professionally um, work with kids better (laughs) um, and plan my lessons better so that um, 
they can actually engage <laughs> with what I'm uh, <laughs> what I'm teaching. Right. Um, but also, I'm looking forward to just being in the city and connecting with it in a way that I didn't really think that I could have. Um, mm. Like I mentioned before, I thought that I would be out every weekend going to a new city or a new uh, <laughs> a new country, <laughs> but uh, that's not the realities of where we are in with COVID. So honestly, I'm just going to spend time in Laval, run some more, meet some more people in Laval, hopefully, and uh, enjoy working in a wonderful high school. Um, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. So very, it sounds very basic, but <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it's, and, it's and what the, we have. And like definitely what I want to touch on is that, you know, usually when I do these interviews with people who've moved to different places, when I say usually, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, pre-COVID, um, it's always about, hey, like, what's the nightlife like? And like, how do you meet new people? And it's that and third, but with COVID, it's like, it's really hard to do those things. So I think yeah. it's it's very, very refreshing to hear a person that has moved to another place and, and, and you know, and 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 found uh and found a comfort zone and found ways to meet people and to go out and experience new things. Because a lot of people think that you know, hey, it's COVID. If I go anywhere else, I'm not gonna be able to do anything. Like unless it's online, I can't yeah. do it. But it's really refreshing to hear that you're you're one very very optimistic about the chance to meet new people, but also you're able to meet and meet new people and experience new things, even though you're in a new place in a different country or halfway across mm -hmm. the world amid COVID. Like that is something to be. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, to be hopeful, you know, to to, to be hopeful yeah. for it. That the world isn't going to be, uh, the world isn't terrible, right? It isn't a place where yeah. you can't do anything socially. I think that's very, very important. And I'm uh, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the change, you know, and the opportunity. Like like I mentioned before, life in Houston, life in Chicago. I was just going through these motions, and I feel like even with COVID this has brought me closer to my passions for life. And um, whether that's lockdown or not, it's still closer to what fuels me. So do you think your experience would have been different had COVID-19 been a part of it? Like, like, are you the kind of person that would have gone out more and been in like, you know, parties and day oh, yeah. parties, night parties, things like, like, <laughs> you think it been, like, how do you think your experience would have been different if COVID wasn't messing up, especially since you've already been to France before? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, this is something that, uh, like I mentioned, I was, I was saving for this. I was like, okay, cool. Like if this happens, uh, and, and my job put me in that position as well to be able to enjoy an experience like this if I did have one. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to be going to Paris, you know, every other weekend and um, I, I'm going to go out. I mean, I'm a very social person. Um, I, I also, I love staying in hostels, hostels, you get to meet so many different people. So I was like, I can do this on a budget. Like this is happening. Um, and I would have done it. Trust me. I would have done it. Um, mm -hmm. and I think the difference, I don't know if I, my growth would have looked different. I, mm -hmm. I still think I would have been able to, you know, get to know myself a little bit more. Um, and the, the experience of being abroad would have brought me closer to the new cultures, but I don't know if I would have spent time on myself. When you travel, you're just go, 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 go. Um, and if you take that time to be reflective about their experience, then you do. But I don't know if I was in a state to stop because I, I tend to distract myself from what's actually going on in my life. Um, and here I'm forced to be with my thoughts. I'm forced to confront some of the, mm. of the, the traumas that I've had um, because honestly, I have time, right? I have time. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, as, as, as an assistant, you're only working, what, 12, 14 hours a week? Oh Jesus! You, you're yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's not you. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> please don't come here without some type of money. Um, yeah, so you're working part time, um, and I was gonna fill it with all of these different things to distract myself, um, and I think that's what happened in 
Houston school, when you're in school, right? You are overscheduled. I was in every club you can imagine. And then when I actually got a job, I was like, wow, I got all this free time. Oh man, all these traumas, all these, all these yeah. things are coming up. Um, and here you're just like, okay, I can't distract myself with people. I can't distract myself with travel. I can't distract myself with, you know, going out and drinking. So I, like I said, it looks, the growth looks different, but um, I still would have had a very interesting experience. <laughs> And you know, I'm so man. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I'm actually doing, you know, my my end of the year podcast. It's definitely hit on mm-hmm. a few things that I know. Again, being out here for so long, and it's even working with different expats, it's you're right. I think this is a year where, as an expat, we really had to sit down and think about ourselves. Not, not again, think about ourselves. Yes, but also about the ones that we spend the most of our time with. I think mm-hmm. as an, I really thought internally about, you know, my, my relationship with myself, uh, with mm-hmm. my family, with my friends, and also with the person like, like with Patrick, like all those things like were kind of at the forefront. I had to confront them on a daily basis. So when I say things like I kind of had to adjust how I am in the morning, how I interact on mm-hmm. a daily basis, like, you know, when, you, when you're so busy because you're going out, you have a bar that you have to run or you have a business, you have to, a job you have to go to, you're doing all these other different things. You don't really have time to actually sit and stop and think about you and how you're interacting with people and what their feelings are and and how you're feeling about their feelings and things like that. And this has definitely been a, a growth period for expats because we can't just up and go go somewhere to kind of push all those feelings down. I can't just up and go to Thailand like I used to or up and go to Hong Kong for a weekend. I have to actually process everything that I'm feeling. And that's a real thing. And it's kind of helped me realize, again, even more for me, I know it's different for everybody, how much I don't want to live in certain places. Like Mm -hmm. I do enjoy living in Taiwan, but why? Why do I enjoy living here? Why is it a good place to be? What else can I do? I think this time that has been given to us for for better or for worse, mostly for worse, because of COVID, I've been able to kind of figure out, all right, this is what I can do no matter where I live in the world. But why is it that where I'm living in the world now, how is it positively affecting what I can do with the time I have, the time has been given to me now? And like everything that you said, I can definitely relate to and definitely has been uh, something big for many expats living abroad. It's like, man, this has been our wake up call. Like, hey, don't want to live abroad? No, I'm leaving in January. <laughs> Or, hey, I do enjoy living abroad. I may not enjoy where I'm at now, but this is the safest place to be. But I'm going to make the most out of it. I'm going to monopolize. I'm going to capitalize, not monopolize. Mm-hmm. Capitalize <laughs> on what I have right, on what I have here before me instead of wallowing in pity. And if I was back home, you know, with my family, I would just give all my time to them. And I really would still wouldn't have time for myself. Mm-hmm. So, man, that's mm-hmm. that's so deep and so and so real. So I went on a no. little bit of a tangent, but... Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's the conversations that, you know, we should be having. Um, I, I, I don't tend to take time to reflect. Um, and then when I do, it's so overwhelming that I try to stray away from it as possible. And, and that's what 2020 has taught me is that, no, you can't. Life is way too short. You need to figure out exactly what makes you happy or not <laughs> happy what, what what gives you joy right and mm. what little things can you do um to make sure that you're living a life that completely fulfills you um and it might hurt some people right you might lose some some people along the process um but you know how can you make sure that you're living that life so it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's such, and I'm only at the beginning of my journey, right? I'm. I, this is the very first step for me. Um, and should I want to stay in France or or abroad, right? Because I'm not just limited to France. I would love to be somewhere like Taiwan. I, I visited Taiwan. And I was like, whoa! Oh yeah, <laughs> it's an amazing country. Um, so why 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 haven't I tried to do this before? Why haven't I been striving for things that make me feel this way before um so yeah hopefully we get to a place where um these the these steps or these these paths come easy or they are available absolutely so again thank you so much for answering all of my hopefully really really good questions um uh, but just <laughs> yes. uh, uh but just for sharing your experience again i'm 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 always uh, more motivated and more inspired uh just by again your journey again i, I follow you on instagram so you know i always keep up you know just via what you mm-hmm. post on your stories but just uh talk to you before you actually went to france it was definitely very mm-hmm. refreshing to hear that you were just diving into you're like hey i'm excited i've been waiting yeah. for this i wanted to do it like 
I'm going to do it. And I was like, hey, when you get there, you mind podcast? You were like, yeah. So thank you so very much <laughs> uh, for sharing your story. Because again, it's definitely very inspirational. And for the the 17 young women now, I took 17 young women and 14 young men back in Chicago that we we talk a weekly three times a week. And we talk, we actually debrief some, not all of my podcasts, some of my podcasts recently have been kind of um uh, explicit, uh, but we definitely debrief a lot of our podcasts, going to talk about their feelings and emotions and things that they can do. And I know that they're going to take a lot away from this uh, conversation we've had today. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you so very much for, for sharing. But this is the point of the podcast. Do you have any questions for me or anything else that you would like to add or talk about? Yeah, I, I do actually. So I think, and thank you for having me, Carl. Like I, this is, I don't talk to many people about my experiences. So I'm not as eloquent in my answers. <laughs> So if you know, if I'm saying like, um, 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 then, you know, but I'm very, very grateful for this opportunity. Um, so thank you. Um, but yeah, I think the, one of the biggest questions, um, I wanted to know from you, you're a business owner, you've been, you know, running your, um, businesses for, uh, since you've been in Taiwan, right. Or how long have you been a business owner? Oh, well, we've had, uh, for about five years, I've had two companies uh, abroad so far. Yeah. So you've been running this business. And so with COVID, how have you been able to overcome those struggles of COVID? Um, I know that Taiwan is known to have some of the fewest cases in the world. So with Taiwan's handling of the virus, how has that affected your business opportunities? Have you had to be creative with getting through this year um, professionally at all? Oh, Jesus. Um, I mean, it's a a loaded question. I know I'm, I'm going to answer this very directly. Like it's been, it's been the most challenging year and I thought I've had some challenging years, but mm-hmm. it's been, it's been tough. Like we mm-hmm. went through five months of having no customers. Um, then we went wow. through three months of having 20 customers per month and our rent didn't decrease. And because we're foreigners, we aren't entitled to any loan from banks or any support mm-hmm. from the government at all. So for, I know for myself and I can't, I can speak for Patrick a little bit, but not fully. Um, we've been, pulling like literally pulling opportunities and things just out of nowhere to kind of get the finances that we need so i am still fundraising go to mm-hmm. if you want to become a patron of black expat podcast click link in the description uh but um that's actually real but yeah it's been it's been tough and i know again it's just being who we are uh, we try mm-hmm. to see the positive in things and try to work through it but it's been uh it's been hard uh darn near impossible being expatriates during a pandemic and having a business mm-hmm. abroad. I'm not going to like, before, if you asked me in March, I'd have been very like, oh, it's going to turn around. But after those five months of, oh, because, you know, we don't have any employees because when the pandemic happened, it made no sense to pay people to be here because no one was showing up. So mm-hmm. like, just imagine going to the place you own every day, opening it up and sitting in there for eight hours and no one showing up. And mm-hmm. you're just hoping because you don't have bills. So it was, it, not it was. It is hard. And now Taiwan, after 253 days, for the biggest holiday in the in the year, right? New Year's where you know you're gonna pack the bar out and all this stuff. We get our first case last week. Uh and our first two cases. So now it's like, man, and think about Taiwanese culture. Uh they if one case comes out, time people are like, Nope, we're not risking it. We're all indoors. And the government's like, Yep, you guys should all stay indoors. So for us, again, if we didn't have this business, it'd be great because we don't have any, we don't have a business to worry about. It's just, oh, we're indoors. We're talking to people and podcasts and whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, we hear, uh, we have another case. For us, it's immediately our customers are going. So last week when the case came out, we were having like five to 10 people on Tuesday and then people on Wednesday and went from that to nothing. So it's been, it's been hard. And we, and we've definitely been creative. Like, you know, I try to come up with different events to get people out like wine and paint nights and uh, different types of activities. And I think that does work when we can do it. Um, But just, you know, just more morale wise, it's hard to, you know, get the, the feelings and emotions to want to go as hard as we went before for the Mm -hmm. bar as we do now, because it's like, man, Five months of just us two, no one else sitting in the bar. An empty bar has been hard. So again, again, just to be very honest, like it's it's been tough. Um, but mm-hmm. I do still, I think what we've done that I'm very proud of, especially Patrick, is we took the opportunity and made something else. Like Patrick has in-house bartender.com, uh, where yeah. he does, you know, online bartending sort of like uh, creative cocktail services for people all over the world. And it's really taken off and it's gonna keep getting better and better. Uh, and he created that based off, you know, we have this space with all these. We have a bar, a full stock bar, but no one's coming to. How can we utilize it? Patrick does in-house bartender, which is amazing. If you want to do that, definitely check him out. And then I mm-hmm. started my YouTube channel and started podcasting more. So good things have come from it, but um, it's definitely been hard every day. 
Like, mm. can't lie about that. Yeah. Well, thank you for your honesty. Honestly, I, I, I don't know too many business owners. So this is a very like eye opening um, response, to be honest. So, I mean, I'm hopeful with the new year, with the vaccines coming out, um, that there will be change. But the reality is a lot of people, companies are struggling. And this year, it's definitely not uh, it's definitely one that we'll all remember. So I, I, I'm hopeful that things will turn around for you um, in the future. But thank you for being honest. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's a good question. Like, you know, I'm always, mm-hmm. and I've gotten criticism for this, for being, you know, too mm-hmm. Mr. Positive and looking on the bright side. But mm-hmm. like the reality of it is, like if we just could kept remaining positive, then nothing good would have come from it. But good things did come yeah. from it. Um, it yeah. sucks, like, and it's terrible, and it's financially is taking a toll on us. That's going to last for years, hopefully not, but it'll last for quite some time. But yeah, I mean, again, if we we have done good things too, and I don't mm-hmm. never want to forget about that aspect of it. And we have to remain positive. And again, we've had a lot of support too from friends who just come to check on us, and they come mm-hmm. over, they'll bring food, and just that 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 kind of environment that we do have. And we're very blessed and fortunate to have friends like that who, you know, do love and support us. And even though they may not be able to donate to, you know, our Patreon or have an in-house bartender session, um, they're still just being here means a lot. Um, so that mm-hmm. is something that, you know, people may not always leave out. They talk about the struggle, not about the support amid the struggle. And I think mm-hmm. we're definitely blessed to have that. Again, for thank you. For, I don't want to talk too much about it, but thank you for oh, asking no. that question. It's, it's, definitely, okay. it's definitely a good question. Well, and I have one last question. So um, how, how much of your uh, business was actually affected by international travel cancellation? Like, did you have more foreigners coming to your bar or more local people? Um, and if it, was, if it was more foreigners, how has COVID like affected your relationship with the local community? And that is the that is the interesting part because when we were open, we were open for a year before COVID hit, and mm-hmm. about I want to say seventy five to eighty percent of our clientele was foreign based, and mm-hmm. a lot of them because we were kind of we're not in the main city, we we're kind of like kind of outside. A lot mm-hmm. of our customer base was foreign, um, and then once COVID hit, a lot of foreigners like college students and all that they went back home because they thought that mm-hmm. home was safer for them when it turned out. That's not the case. <laughs> Taiwan is right. Yeah. Uh, so we did lose. We lost. We lost eighty percent of our clientele because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But once COVID kind of calmed down, so I want to say September, October, November, we got a boost in our local people that would just come in, yeah. and they wouldn't. They don't come in as often, but they do come in, and we get start again repeat customers and people who just stop by and recognize, oh, this is a bar. So we did mm-hmm. get a, a higher local boost in customers, which is why I wish you know if COVID hadn't have happened, would have had local people working here. And mm-hmm. just the vibe is different when you walk in and people, you know, it's a, it's a local feel like, oh, I can come here because the bartenders speak Chinese. But you walk in and you see, again, we're still in Taiwan. It's Asia, y'all. <laughs> when you walk into a bar and you're Taiwanese and you see two black dudes, like, it is weird. And you're like, wait, you guys own this place? They're like, yeah, we the bosses. Damn, that's even crazier. <laughs> and it's either I want to talk to you guys about it or I'm still kind of creeped out because I don't speak good enough English. So I'm going to order one mm-hmm. drink and go. So it's kind of, it's you know, it's, it's kind of balancing that. But yeah. It, it that's where it hit us the hardest. A lot of our clientele mm-hmm. left the country because we mm-hmm. were we are foreigners, and it was a mostly foreign bar, and they all went back to America, uh, not to America, went back to their countries and didn't yeah. return, which definitely hurt, you know, business. Yeah. Well, I'm, you, I hope with uh, these vaccines. I don't know how you feel about these vaccines coming out. All the Oof. memes, uh, <laughs> all the memes, but you know, I hope that it will at least help with some sort of normalcy or some sort of travel opportunity um but also keep your local community as well but blend them so those are questions i have for you um i mean also what what did you do for the holidays did you did you mention that already yeah no we we, we had a, a pretty chill christmas just you know just at mm-hmm. the bar just hanging out with close friends i think mm-hmm. uh, just everything going on uh patrick and i well not you know, not for patrick but we definitely just want to uh we've haven't done this we've always had other people many other people around us and it's just good to just be you know what you know just hanging out with him and uh you know our our, our good friend erica uh erica lachey jivens oh, yeah. yeah and like having her Thank around <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you met her. Yeah, she actually, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she, uh, it's funny because she mentioned you the other day and I was like, oh, you know, I'm podcasting <laughs> with her next week. Um, and she remembers you and I was like, oh, cool. She was like, oh, really? And she's actually no, on the she's phone really now. Cool. So she's listening. Oh. Uh, if you want to say something. Hey, Erica. 
<laughs> really yeah, 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 I'm like, she, I have you. <laughs> yeah, she, she does have to call in because she's literally right next to Hi. me. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, Hello. So she, <laughs> so she's on the call. So, yeah, you know, we all just hung out, you know, made food. Um, I'm going to get them gifts eventually, but right now, uh, can't do it because, you know, bar thing. But, um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> just, just us hanging out, black expats chilling. Uh, so it's like, definitely a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, those are the questions that I have for you. But, you know, I'm so happy that you invited me, honestly. Well, it was more than a pleasure having you on. And again, if hopefully COVID is gone in February and then Erica said she's definitely buying us all tickets uh, to go and visit (laughs) you in March or April when we have time. Because I know I want to go back to France and have a different experience the first time I went because one, France expensive as hell. And two, it's expensive (laughs) as hell. But man, I love crepes. (laughs) <laughs> however you say it they, they're they're delicious well and you'll have a place to stay it. all of y'all y'all can come sleep on my couch <laughs> we get air right. mattress <laughs> oh okay cool i got the air mattress because i'm older than, <laughs> than erica but uh those those two those two youngins can take the couch but hey if erica get the tickets i'll let her have the air mattress um, <laughs> no all are welcome i definitely want to come back though i tell i tell everybody that i'm like that was the best time i mean i, I was like why did i know about this when i was studying abroad or why did i not consider it because it's the best it, it was the best experience so. right because we, we have like a five-story building so you can bring you and all your roommates here and then like like erica she said she'll cook for everybody like it'll just be <laughs> an amazing She's so mad. It'll be an amazing time <laughs> if, if, if you guys can make it back. But again, thank you so much for joining the show. It was more than a pleasure having you on. Um, again, hopefully I can check in with you maybe in a few months. Just update us on your experience. And hopefully if COVID turns around, we'll have more things to talk about because then the world will be open to us both and kind of see where we can go from there. But thank you so much for joining us. It was more than a pleasure having you on. No problem. Thank you so much, Carl. <laughs> And thank you. Uh, Erica, I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Erica said, I don't know her IG. Her IG name is L U W something, something, something. I don't know what it is. My IG name? (laughs) (laughs) I will will share it for both. I'll I'll give it to both of you guys. I'll I'll tag Erica in this next post. Of my awesome. but thank you so much jasmine for joining and thank you guys for turning to turning in who oh, guys thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the black expat podcast if you have not already please become a patron of the black expat podcast and support me on my journey to becoming a full-time podcaster the link is on the podbean app but it is also found in the description of this podcast again thank you so much jasmine for joining me thank you to everyone that was listening it was more than a pleasure having you guys listen in to an amazing story and an amazing experience from jasmine so again my name is carl the black expat we out here. <laughs>